Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So joining myself and Toby today is Sarah Culkin, uh, Head of Analytics Unit at NHSX. Uh, so welcome, Sarah. Delighted to have you on AMX uh, FICA podcast. Welcome, Thanks for Sarah. having me. Yeah, great to be here. Great. Brilliant. So, uh, as we always kick off with uh, Fika, uh, it's a coffee and a cake with friends. Um, I've got a, what is it today? I've been given a caramel, a salted caramel drizzle, which is not bad. What's your favourite cake to have with a coffee? My favourite cake of all time, I think it counts as a cake, is um, is a classic scone with, with cream and jam. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Ah. Very tasty. Very good. <laughs> I think that counts yeah, as a cake. I, I, I uh, think that's got to be the best one so far. Just about. <laughs> I am pretty passionate about cakes, and that is my favourite. Yeah. I, I live up in up in Leeds, and so in a few of the sort of places nearby, we've got a place called uh, Betty's Tea House, which is fairly famous, and they do a fairly epic, uh, yeah, afternoon tea with with scones oh. and cream and jam. Delicious. Okay. I wish I was having one right now. 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 Yeah. So. <laughs> I think we had a leaderboard like Top Gear. I think you'd be top of the top of the board so. <laughs> with that. <laughs> Great. No, so thanks for joining us, uh, Sarah, today. Uh, and just what we were trying to do uh, prior, I was mentioning prior to uh, joining the NHS, I believe you started your career, wasn't it, uh, studying chemistry with a PhD, um, and you moved across into a data policy role. Is that right? Yeah. So um, I started, uh, yeah, I did uh, an undergraduate in chemistry and also stayed on at Leeds University to do to do a PhD. Um, and then um, rather than data policy, that came a bit later. I actually moved into an, an analyst role. I joined um, the government analytical service. So it was specifically the yeah. govern, government operational research service. They do a fair amount of um, r- recruitment for people who want to work in analytical roles in government. And um at the time, I was offered either to join the Foreign Office, oh. <laughs> where I would have been forecasting people applying for visas to come to the UK, or I could join the Department of Health. And oh. to be honest, the idea of working in health um, just seemed a, a really a great um, area to work. Um, and so joined the Department of Health yeah. in about 2005, and I have never left the health uh, system since. Um, yeah, it's been great. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. That's really good. And just saying the role that you're currently in at the moment, and uh, when, we, when we spoke, you mentioned you're, you're leading and working on sort of two key work streams, uh, innovative analytics and analytics as a profession. And both of those are really, I imagine, very closely interlinked. You know, and for our listeners on the podcast, it'd be really good to hear from you, you know, what do you sort of? What does sort of innovative analytics mean at NHSX? So innovative analytics, I mean, innovative at its most pure interpretation, really does just mean trying something new. So the sorts of things 
when you sort of hear about innovative analytics, I think people's minds often go to something really complicated and sophisticated, large sort of forecasting models. But in reality, it is literally just trying something new. Um, And so that could be anything from a different type of visualisation for presenting data, um, trying to look at uh, different sources of data that perhaps you've never used in your work before. So, for example, um, whilst we're all fairly familiar with the sort of traditional health and care data sets, areas where I've previously been involved and, and what really gave me the bug for trying to do more innovative analytics were, um, number one, trying to work more with with text data, so free text data, what you can sort of, how you can structure that and pull out insights, even in the most, you know, simple way can, I, th- I think is really interesting. Oh. And then also trying to work with new sources of data that can complement existing traditional sets. So a classic example would be trying to look at data that you can get off, off the web. So, you know, there's readily available, uh, you can go on Google Trends and look at, how, you know, how different search terms trend in, in Google and previously looked at that before for things like, um pneumonia and how that relates with admissions for pneumonia over the winter. Um, Other things, again, um, a fairly simple sounding thing, but the idea of uh, of reproducible analytical pipelines. So actually the way that you you pipe your data and move it around so that you can produce reports in a more automated way is is definitely innovation. And, And equally, although I said sort of complicated forecasting techniques it doesn't need to be for you know complicated there are some very simple ways almost uh, you know like that you can dip your toe into uh, sort of more sophisticated analysis so you know mo- moving averages and and different things that, that build on the idea of just following following a pattern on so that's the, the sorts of things that innovation can look like in an analytics space but actually I guess what I'm really interested in is how you make that innovation happen um, and that's a really big challenge because there's so many component parts when it comes to actually getting to the point where you've 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 tried something new. Um, and I I think of those um, as the three T's plus a D. Um, so the three T's are uh, time, tech, and training. Um, so can you actually give people the tech or the the tools, I guess, would be an alternative um, to, uh, uh, to to the tech. But how can you make sure people have got the tools to do something new? How can you make sure they've actually been given the opportunity to get trained? And that doesn't necessarily mean going on a, a training course, but actually, have you got people available who can answer their questions and be a, a mentor to them when they try something new? And then finally, this is really quite a big one on, on the three T's, is the time. We're all so busy and are programs are set up in such a way that often it's very, very difficult to give an analyst time to try something new because it just doesn't seem like a good use of resource. And in, and in fact, I've, I've worked in, in teams before where actually people have been very nervous to give time because no one wants to admit that they've got free time with their analysts because it just means their boss will give them something else to do. Um, so it's really tricky. But the three T's, tech, time and training, plus the big one, the D, the data, making sure that we can actually access the data we, we, we need, be it, you know, health data appropriately or yeah. other sources that can complement and really add insight to the work we're doing. Um, so that's advice. kind of what 
innovation means to me. Well, fantastic. And I think it's just the, the, the willingness to experiment. I think when you're using, as you mentioned, you know, try something new, that there will be the failings that will happen as part of learning, isn't it? And giving people that space. To be Absolutely. To, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Freedom to fail is a, yeah. a, a beautiful, yeah. um, a beautiful phrase. And, and yeah. that, again, it's really tricky because it's such a high barrier to entry to finally get to the point where you're going to try something new. You've often had to convince people along the way. And it isn't very convincing saying, I want to try this thing and it might not work. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, that is the way of things. And that is certainly the way when I was in the chemistry lab that uh, yeah. for every one experiment that worked, there would be, to be honest, 10 or 15 that failed. Maybe that was me as a, as a chemist and why I didn't stay in that field for very long. But, um, but it, it is often the way. Yeah. And I would think very topical as well as we look for new systems and ICSs that are emerging and we're looking at, you know, population health management. We now to lead to sort of broaden horizons and experiment with different data sets with, you know, local authority, voluntary sector. So, you know, that, that message of trying something new is actually, I suppose, core to the, the future of, of providing new insights really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, th I think when you get to the point of, I think, being able to link together data, in, in particular with population health management data, the idea of wider determinant data that you can yeah. that you can bring in to predict when people may require some sort of health resource or intervention is enormously powerful. And actually, just bringing the data together does the bulk of the analytical work for you. Actually, any kind of further um, analytics on top of that is probably quite minimal. It's actually just getting the data together in the first place can be enormously powerful. And, and it is said that actually by the time someone is reaching, uh, entering the health system, the opportunity to um, intervene and prevent them for, for needing further resource, you know, that, that opportunity has already passed. You needed to be intervening five, ten years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when we spoke, we talked about, um, you know, developing uh, analytics as a profession that's key and, and making sure that, you know, as you mentioned, I think you touched on it, the, the three T's of giving people time, the tech and the training uh, and helping sort of create that sort of workforce of the future. I think when we spoke, you were saying that, you know, to make and support innovation possible there there are many you know new tools and platforms and that, that people can use and i think people touched on you know, the importance of using things like for example getting to know python and, and r which can aid and accelerate those innovative insights you said are you able to sort of highlight some of those areas where you feel those tools add real value um over and above some of the traditional tools should we say that have been used yeah so the, the thing with R, with R and, and Python in particular, but just it, it, the general category of open source tools, the really big thing for me is the flexibility that they bring. And what I mean by that is, uh, I guess there's two or three things that, that sit underneath that flexibility. Number one is that they are free and therefore you could try something in it. If you don't like it, you just throw it away and you try something else. You didn't like how it worked in R, try it in Python. You didn't like that particular package, find another one. There's probably two or three that do similar things. And you've not tied yourself into a contract that means you have to use this tool and, and no other. Uh, along with that, you've got the idea that, um, you know, you want to try something, you're not sure how to do it. Because they are free tools available to many different people, there's a huge community out there who probably did done this thing before or can offer you some training. So, you know, you choose one particular YouTube channel that shows you how to do something. Doesn't really, it's free, 
so that's fine. You don't really know what they mean. You try someone else who explains it to you in a different way and therefore there's just such a bank of knowledge out there to draw on. And then and then finally, it's actually the sharing of code which really makes these, these resources particularly powerful and flexible. And so, you know, I talk a lot about um, the need to share information yeah. and, and code and projects that we're doing so that we can do it once and share many times and recycle. And actually sharing code, if you've got to the point where you're writing a project and you're sharing your code, great. But actually, I would say that the first step of using these tools and is to actually borrow someone else's code and to share it. That's certainly how I got started. If you're starting from scratch, it's really hard. But if you wanted to, so for example, I wanted to, to um, find ways of drawing out themes from a whole bunch of um, consultation responses that someone had sent into the Department of Health. Um, and I could have laboriously written that code by hand as a complete newbie to R. But instead, I found a whole load of blogs of people doing very similar things. In this case, they wanted to draw out the themes of different um, movies, I think it was, yeah. based on the movie description. I just borrowed that code and I changed a few words and I gave it a go. And wow. that, I think, is is the real power there. Powerful. That's great, isn't it? I just, yeah, just being willing to sort of borrow the code, test it, and you understand it. And then the next project that comes up, yeah. You know, Reuse yeah, code. and with, and within the NHS, yeah. you know, yeah. it would become even more niche. So there'll be very specific things that people do in the north of England that they also probably want to do in the south of England. And by sharing code, it just takes away that initial barrier to entry, and also really helps to innovate because you take that code, but then you tweak it and you perhaps improve it, or you quality assure it, and you let someone know that there's potentially somewhere they could they could improve their code, and so and so it builds. That's really great advice. Brilliant. I, I think um, there have been quite a lot of gems you've touched on, Sarah. I quite like the idea of um, um, the three T's and, and D being, I guess, the over, overarching thread that we use them together. Um, but your comment more recently about the uh, open source nature of coding kind of touches on, um, I guess, what we talked about, about professionalizing analytics and creating that community where you have your peers share resources and, and build others who are perhaps starting out or, you know, saving other people time by sharing any innovative work you've done. Um, and that kind of touches on my next question, um, which is around the work you and your team are doing um, and, and who you're working with, um, people like uh, Public Health, um, Health Education England, sorry, um, Health Foundation and other other partners you guys may have, um, and how is the work you're doing tying into the activities you're sort of conducting to support analysts and professionalise analytics? So, yeah, this is another area I'm really really passionate about the professionalisation of of the the analytics workforce in the sort of wider health and care system. But I am certainly not alone in in this uh, interest. And so there's a number of of groups out there that have been, to be honest, at this for a while. So um, the Northwest Skills Development Network, um, AFA, the NHSR community, and of course HEE take a real lead in this area as well. And so. What NHSX, along with um, our colleagues in NHS England and Improvement, want to do is really be a, um, a a team that can sit in, you know, on in the middle between these the sort of wider initiatives that are perhaps being rolled out on digital readiness by HEE 
and then link up a lot of the really fantastic sort of more grassroots initiatives that are going on so that there is alignment um, and uh, a sort of cohesiveness between between the entire approach. So, for example, we've, we've established a stakeholder board with many of the stakeholders you just mentioned. And between us, we are documenting all the different work that we're doing in this space and agreeing a number of kind of key priorities we want to take forward. So, for example, we want to make sure that um, we can agree on a kind of unified set of competency frameworks and that those competency frameworks align un under the wider work that HEE are doing to um, look to roll out uh, the, the DDAT framework to the, the wider informatics workforce. Um, we want to make sure there's a kind of a hub or an analytical space that can be online, that can direct people to the already uh, fantastic resources that, that exist. So, for example, the, um, the NHS Futures platform that, that sprung up off the back of the COVID response, um, all the work that AFA does, the work that the NHSR community do, there's so much good stuff out there, and if there's if if we can bring it all into one place, there's not necessarily a great deal more that we need to do. We just need to be able to um, corral and communicate and really showcase the great work that's going on already. I think um, that is something I've also noticed, and um, and I'm glad you you've touched on that, Sarah, and that there are lots of great pieces of work going on within individual systems or organisations. And um, bringing that together and, and, and sharing that with a, a much larger cohort of people is, is where a lot of value is likely to be, to be, to be passed over right, in the initial stages. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to seeing how the frameworks and the competencies span out over time because it's, um, it's something that sounds very interesting. Thank you. And, and Sarah, I was just saying on on that sense of when you mentioned about you know, NHSX and NHS England, it's, it's something about I suppose supporting that ambitious digital transformation program we've got with the NHS. And uh, what I'm picking up from people as well as the alignment of you know, your, your data strategy with your digital strategy, how important they are together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, this is what lies at the heart of mm. the sort of real passion. And actually, to be honest, there is a real momentum behind trying to strengthen the analytical workforce because. Yeah. When you think about it, digital and technology, let's be honest, they all sound quite sexy. Um, but in reality, what that means is that if you're going to do anything digital or with technology, almost certainly that is going to involve the generation of a huge amount of data. And we need the workforce in-house to really work with that data well and understand its power and link it together, because otherwise you really cannot convert that that data into the the information and the intelligence that that we we should be using. Fantastic. And Sarah, a, a question here as well that's, that's come through. What are um, the, the two or three uh, people that most influence you? <laughs> so this, I think, is a really hard question, <laughs> but I've tried my best to answer it. And while I was kind of putting together names, it, it dawned on me that the the thing that tied them all together is that they were all leaders who led in a particular way so they didn't necessarily lead in a particularly um what's the word they didn't just sort of tell people what to do they really brought people with them and gave people the space to uh to be themselves and to to innovate and to try new ideas so for example in my earlier career um, I worked for some great, some great bosses. So uh, Keith Derbyshire, Mark Svensson, John Bates, and they all were the sorts of people who, if you had an idea and you wanted to pursue it, 
they gave you the he- the headspace to to try new things. Um, and then more recently, um, there's some fantastic leaders around at the minute. So Indra. Um, Joshi, Ming Tang, and then Helen Lorenz, who's the director of intelligence at CQC. Again, they really um, lead with, I think, authenticity. And they are fantastic leaders that take people on with them on their journey. And they do it in a way that, that's sort of true to them. They are themselves. They bring their personality. They don't necessarily just try and replicate people who've gone before them in that space. And I think that, for me, that's something that I, I am keen to do, is really develop the team of people I, I work with really give them the opportunity to shine and also to show that, you know, you can be a leader, but you don't have to necessarily be just, you know, a one size fits all leader. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Isn't it? it's, it's given as those leaderships authentic, the authenticity of that leadership message, but also given their, their staff the legitimacy to act on something new that they think and test. Absolutely. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's been really, really good to, to speak, and there's some amazing uh, sort of uh, insights there uh, for myself and Toby. But I think you know you've got. Uh, you, you, I love the thing about the, the three T's: the time, the tech, and training uh, with the data. But I think you know that's really good message back to some of the leaders to free their staff up for those important areas. I think what I also liked about you mentioned about the the open source tools and you know try something new. You know, going into to, to test with them because they are free. They they give you flexibility. But the, as you quite rightly mentioned, I think there's a huge community in there that will help happily support you on anything that you don't know. But that that ability just to test some code on a, on a project that you've got is really really powerful, isn't it? But you know, the overwhelming message for me is I think is that piece you mentioned at the very beginning, wasn't it? To try something new, and uh, yeah, really powerful messages as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to sound like a kind of a motivational poster. I'm not sure I necessarily buy into this whole do do something new every day that that scares you. It doesn't have to be a big step at all. Actually, throughout my career, I've probably taken very small steps. I've just really kind of keyed in on actually the bigger picture of what interests me, what I think is valuable, um, and just really quite quite baby steps but yeah. just and 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 rather than having a really fixed idea of what, what you want to do and where you need to go being a lot more opportunistic seeing something yeah. that you perhaps haven't considered before but you think oh let's just give it a go see where it takes you brilliant and finally sarah um you know outside of uh, uh, data analytics what do you do to relax Um, So uh, I have a allotment, um, and uh, again, this probably (laughs) (laughs) exemplifies what I was just saying. Um, We we got the allotment a little while ago because some friends of ours who are much better gardeners suggested we share it with them, and I thought, yeah, why not? They'll they know what they're doing. Um, And in reality, they they actually stopped helping with the allotment quite early on because they went and had a baby. So fair enough, and we took over. And I would have never have taken on an allotment by myself, but over the last three years. We've really uh, got to grips with it, and it's been really rewarding, but also very, very relaxing. Yeah, great way to switch off, isn't it? And the, the output is fantastic. It all comes well, doesn't it? That's great. Yes, yes. I, I mean, yeah, I'm good for cabbages. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. That seems to be the thing we grow well. Brilliant. Thanks for, for joining uh, the AMX Fika. And, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to have you back on again in the future as well, Sarah. But, no, thanks for your time. Really great to meet you. Great. Thank you very much for having me. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, Look forward to seeing you in the future.